Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well... We will slowly but steadily work our way through the muck. We will slowly but surely work our way through the issue that has the press's attention more than anything else. Over the weekend and today, the President of the United States has uh, refined his point, which is that Omar, Eliad Omar, an anti-Semite and a bigot should leave the country if she hates the country so much and come back after she's helped fix Somalia. And of course, he mentioned Talib and AOC as well, who are from the United States. And this has been noted over and over and over and over again by the media. But I want to step back and look at this with you together. I don't want us to be pushed by the media Pulled by the media, all the static going on. I want us to use our own noggins and look at this. There's a hell of a lot of Americans who are sick and tired of these freshman members of Congress. These three in particular. I'm not familiar with the lady from Massachusetts, but apparently she's one of the four. But I'm familiar with these three. And the horrendous things they've said about Jews and the horrendous things they've said about our country. Their ideology is not garden variety liberalism. They're the burn down the country crowd. Nobody's talking about their race. They keep talking about their race. The president didn't mention their race. Nancy Pelosi the other week, and I'll get to her later, she didn't mention their race. They keep bringing up their race. Now, Talib, her parents came here from the Middle East. They're Palestinian. So she's the child of two recent immigrants who chose to come to America. Omar is a refugee from Somalia, who eventually she and her family made their way to America. And it is worth noting that they do hate the very country they live in. It's not a matter of debate on policy and so forth, which is how they try to make it. And so for a lot of Americans, including me, we scratch our heads. Most of us are children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, immigrants too. They never talked about this country that way. And everybody wasn't welcome with open arms. The Irish, Italians, the Poles, Jews, Germans, and so forth. Chinese, Japanese. 
But we love our country. Now, why do we love our country? Because it's our country. Because we make of it what we will. So when somebody attacks the United States of America in 2019, they're attacking you and me. They're attacking us. A country is a nation state of citizens. So they are viciously attacking their fellow citizens. Omar has made Jew-hating after Jew-hating comment in just the few months in which he's been in Congress and before. And she has trashed this country left and right. Why? When this country welcomed her family with open arms as they were escaping Somalia, why? And why leave Somalia? It's a logical question. If Somalia is such a great place, it's not a great place. There's terrorism and there's civil war. Not the case in America, where we have a civil society. Talib is a foul-mouthed member of Congress. You remember what she said about the president upon her election? Even worse, she's more than happy to be seen with and celebrated by a mouthpiece for Hezbollah. Now, what's Hezbollah? Hezbollah is a vicious terrorist organization with ties to Iran and ties to Al-Qaeda, among others. We can ignore that? And AOC has recently compared detention centers, which were not built by Donald Trump, to concentration camps. These three individuals hate this country, trash Jews, use race baiting at every turn. At every turn. It's not an honest debate. I mean, Martin Luther King, don't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. They're being judged by the content of their character. Not by the color of their skin. The President of the United States, I went back and listened and read the tweets and so forth. He never mentioned race. Not once. Not once. Nor did he start this. He's obviously frustrated by this as President of the United States, as are many of us. You may not like what he tweeted. Of course, the media will jump all over him. But the media have been defending these women. The media celebrate AOC. The media celebrate Talib. The media celebrate Omar. New York Times came to Omar's defense after she made her latest anti-Semitic comments. I'll get to the media in a minute, too. I watched this press conference with the four individuals. It was disgusting. First of all, Omar, with her foul mouth, her foul mouth at a time when children could be watching TV. Well, Trump said those things. Well, if he did, he certainly didn't say them on national TV. He certainly didn't say them to the general public. But she did. Why? Why? Talib made these disgusting comments about post-Holocaust Middle East 
I mean, the record is clear. It's overwhelming. She's not attacked for this by CNN or MSNBC or all those wringing their hands today. Not at all. Look at the Democrat House resolution. Omar had said so many outrageous anti-Semitic things that the House got together and said, you know, we got to pass a resolution. And then what happened? The Democrat Party is so far gone, they had to water it down. So Omar was never specifically mentioned. But now Pelosi announces about an hour ago they're going to pass a resolution condemning, condemning the president by name. By name. Well, last week, Pelosi was called a racist. They backed off. But she was called a racist. By AOC. Now, I know what I'm supposed to do here if I follow the crowd. I'm supposed to sit here and say, you know, the president. If he would just learn how to tweet and when to tweet, there they are. They're cannibalizing each other and he... And he throws in on his comments here. And I'm thinking to myself, I suspect as a man who loves his country, who hasn't always been a Republican, who hasn't always been conservative, who in fact was at one point a Democrat, a Reform Party member, who at one point donated to left-wing Democrat causes. I suspect he's had enough of this. That he's not sitting there analyzing this politically. Some say, oh, look how clever he is. Others are saying, look how ridiculous he is. He stepped all over his message. I don't think he thinks that way. I think he thinks good, bad, right, wrong. And that the Democrat Party won't police itself. The Democrat caucus won't. That the media celebrate these. These are backbenchers who said hateful, outrageous things about their own country. About their own country. Nobody's mentioning their color. People are outraged by what they're saying and doing. By what they're saying and doing. They are a radical, extreme group of three or four. Of three or four who've gotten an enormous amount of media time. Why? Why? Why do you think? We had two and a half years of Russia collusion. We had months of Trump unmentally unhinged in this kook from Yale. Any book that's written that criticizes Trump or claims to be an insider story on Trump is promoted on network TV and elsewhere. Anything, anyone, it doesn't matter. Talib is an anti-Semite. Omar is an anti-Semite. AOC is an anti-Semite. That's what they are. That's what the record shows. It's overwhelming. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is supposed to be hated again. Well, he said they should all go back to their countries. 
Obviously, only one of them that would apply to Omar. Well, you shouldn't say that. It's racist. I don't know how in and of itself it's racist, quite frankly. In and of itself, it's not racist. Well, he's picking on them because of their race. No, he's not. He's picking on them because of what they've said. The media is defending them because of their race. And because they hate Trump. And because this is their narrative. It's been their narrative all along, even without these three women. As a matter of fact, before these three women, or four women, I guess, were even elected to public office. That is, to Congress, I should say. They've already compared this president to Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. They've already accused him of being a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist and an anti-Semite and a racist. And so they just continuing the same. Continuing the same. There is a growing anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party I keep talking about. But there's also a growing hate America first element within the Democrat Party. When you listen to this almost incoherent press conference today from the four individuals, they talked in the most disgusting ways about the president. They pushed their democratic socialist agenda. They demanded that he be impeached. They didn't seem that upset to me. They didn't seem that upset to me. So the president's under attack again. Well, I want to remind you of a few things. Mr. Producer, do you have that audio of Talib? Go ahead and play that. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling, I always tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, their existence in many ways have been wiped out on some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific persecution of Jews across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. But they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. And so when I think about uh, one state, I think about the fact that why couldn't we do it in a better way? Disgusting. A liar. Absolutely outrageous. Outrageous. You want me to go through all the cases now where Omar made her sickening comments? I'm going to read something to you after the break about Ilian Omar, where she came from, and so forth, by somebody who should know. comes from exactly the same country, Somalia, who grew up as a Muslim and is still a Muslim. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. 
but the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. See, my fear is the reaction of the media... Predictable. The reaction of Nancy Pelosi, predictable, will motivate and further empower this kind of a mindset. Motivate and further empower this kind of a mindset. And so I want to read this piece to you. This segment's too long by Ayan Hirsi Ali, Somalian Muslim. Same place as Omar comes from. And I also want to remind you about the media. About how tolerant the media is towards anti-Semites on the left. How tolerant the media was, not just the New York Times and the Washington Post, but all the media or the Third Reich and Adolf Hitler as they jump all over Trump who's obviously reacting angrily at what he hears and sees this constant relentless attack on American principles this constant relentless attack on Judaism and now of course the Anti-Defamation League which is in the back pocket of the left considering the head of the Anti-Defamation League was an Obama special assistant, is coming to the defense of these individuals and trashing the President of the United States. I mean, incredible. I hope you'll stick with me. I've got a lot more to, uh, to talk about here. We'll be right back. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, 
You'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. All right. Ayan Hersey Ali in the Wall Street Journal. I was born in Somalia. I grew up amid pervasive Muslim anti-Semitism. Hate is hard to unlearn without coming to terms with how you learned it. Remember, Omar and Talib are anti-Semites. They also happen to be Muslims. I once opened a speech by confessing to a crowd of Jews that I used to hate them. It was 2006, and I was a young native of Somalia who'd been elected to the Dutch parliament. The American Jewish Committee was giving me its Moral Courage Award. I felt honored and humbled, but a little dishonest if I didn't own up to my anti-Semitic past. So I told them how I've learned to blame the Jews for everything. Fast forward to 2019, a freshman congresswoman from Minnesota has been infuriating the Jewish community and discomfitting the Democratic leadership with her expressions of anti-Semitism. And like me, Ilhan Omar was born in Somalia and exposed at an early age to Muslim anti-Semitism. And by the way, so was Talib. These are the facts. Some of the members of my 2006 AGC audience have asked me to explain and respond to Ms. Omar's comments, including her unequivocal apologies. Their main question is whether it's possible for Ms. Omar to unlearn her evident hatred of Jews, and if so, how to help. In my experience, it's difficult, perhaps impossible, to unlearn hate without coming to terms with how you learn to hate. And this, by the way, is what the media will never expose. Most Americans are familiar with the classic Western flavors of anti-Semitism, the Christian, European, white supremacist, and communist types, but little attention had been paid to the special case of Muslim anti-Semitism. That is a pity, because today it is anti-Semitism's most zealous, most potent, and most underestimated form. I never heard the term anti-Semitism until I moved to the Netherlands in my 20s, But I had first-hand familiarity with its Muslim variety. As a child in Somalia, I was a passive consumer of anti-Semitism. Things would break, conflicts would arise, shortages would occur, and adults would blame it all on the Jews. When I was a little girl, my mom often lost her temper with my brother, with the grocer, with a neighbor. She would scream or curse under her breath, Yehud, followed by a description of the hostility or despicable behavior of the subject of her wrath. It wasn't just my mother. Grown-ups around me exclaimed, Yahud, the way Americans use the F-word. I was made to understand that Jews, Yahud, were all bad. No one took any trouble to build a rational framework around the idea, hardly necessary, since there were no Jews around. But it set the necessary foundation for the next phase of my development. At 15, I became an Islamist by joining the Muslim Brotherhood. I began attending religious and civil society events, where I received an education in the depth and breadth of Jewish villainy. This was done in two ways. The first was theological. 
We were taught that the Jews betrayed our prophet Muhammad. Through uh, Quranic verses, we learned that Allah had eternally condemned them, that they were not human but descendants of pigs and monkeys, that we should aspire to kill them wherever we found them. We were taught to pray, Dear God, please destroy the Jews, the Zionists, the State of Israel. Amen. We were taught the Jews occupied the Holy Land of Palestine. We were shown pictures of mutilated bodies, dead children, welling widows, and weeping orphans. Standing over them in military uniform were Israeli soldiers with large guns. We were told their killing of Palestinians was wanton, unprovoked, and an expression of their hatred of Muslims. The theological and political stories were woven together, as in the Hamas character. Quote, The Prophet Allah bless him and grant him salvation, he said. The day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing the Jews, when the Jews will hide behind stones and trees. The stones and trees will say, O Muslims, O Abdullah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill me. There's no solution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. Now that combination of narratives is the essence of Muslim anti-Semitism. Mohammed Morsi, the longtime Muslim Brotherhood leader who died June 17 but was president of Egypt for a year beginning in 2012, urged in 2010, quote, We must never forget, brothers, to nurse our children and our grandchildren on hatred for them, for Zionists, for Jews. That is two categories that tend to merge along with allegations of world domination. European anti-Semitism, she writes, is also a mixture. Medieval Christian antipathy toward Christ killers blended with radical critiques of capitalism in the 19th and racial uh, pseudoscience in the 20th, but before the Depression, anti-Semitic parties were not mass parties, nor have they been since World War II. Muslim anti-Semitism has a broader base, and its propagators have had the time and resources to spread it widely. To see how, begin at the top, most men and the odd women in power in Muslim-majority countries are autocrats. Even where there are elections, corrupt rulers play an intricate game to stay in power, Their signature move is to promise to free the Holy Land, that is to eliminate the Jewish state. Sound familiar, Talib? Sound familiar, Omar? Sound familiar, AOC? In fact, I would argue now, ladies and gentlemen, virtually every Democrat running for the presidential nomination has this mindset. They won't admit it. The rulers of Iran are explicit about this goal. Other Muslim leaders may pay lip service, to the peace process and the two-state solution. But government anti-Semitism is frequently on display at the United Nations, where Israel is repeatedly compared to apartheid South Africa, accused of genocide and demonized as racist. The media also play their part. There's very little freedom of expression in Muslim-majority countries, and state-owned media churn out anti-Semitic and anti-Israel propaganda daily as do even media groups that style themselves as critical of Muslim autocracies, such as Al Jazeera and Al Manar. Then there are the mosques, the madrasas, and other religious institutions. Schools in general, especially college campuses, have been an Islamist stronghold for generations of Muslim-majority countries. That matters because graduates go on to leadership positions in the professions, media, government, and other institutions. Refugee camps are another zone of indoctrination. They're full of vulnerable people, and Islamists prey on them. They come offering food, tents, and first aid, followed by education. They establish madrasas in the camps and indoctrinate the kids with a message that consists in large part of hatred for Jews and rejection of Israel. Perhaps, she writes, I don't know. 
This is what happened to Ms. Omar in the four years she spent in a refugee camp in Kenya as a child. Or perhaps she became acquainted with Islamist anti-Semitism in Minnesota, where her family settled when she was 12 years old. In any case, her preoccupation with the Jews in Israel would otherwise be hard to explain. Spreading anti-Semitism through all these channels is no trivial matter. And this brings us to the question of resources. It's all about the Benjamins, baby, Ms. Omar tweeted in February, implying that American politicians support Israel only because of Jewish financial contributions. The irony is that the resources available to propagate Islamist ideologies with their attendant anti-Semitism vastly exceed what pro-Israel groups spend in the U.S. Since the early 70s, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has spent vast sums to spread Wahhabi Islam abroad. Much of this funding is opaque, but estimates of the cumulative sum run as high as $100 billion. Thousands of schools in Pakistan, funded with Saudi money, teach a version of Islam that leads to anti-Western militancy, according to Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy. Recent years, the Saudi leadership has tried to turn away from supporting this type of religious radicalism, but increasingly Qatar seems to be taking over the Saudi role. In the U.S. alone, the Qatar Foundation has given $30.6 million over the past eight years to public schools, ostensibly for teaching Arabic and promoting cultural exchange. For years, Qatar has hosted influential radical clerks such as Yusuf al-Ardawi, and provided them with a global microphone, and the country's school textbooks have been criticized for anti-Semitism. And they present Jews as treacherous and crafty, but also weak, wretched, and cowardly. Islam is described as inherently superior. The allegation that Jewish or Zionist money controls Congress is nonsensical. The Center for Responsive Politics estimates the Israeli government has spent $34 million on lobbying in Washington since 2017. The Saudis and Qataris spend a combined $51 million during the same period. If we include foreign non-governmental organizations, the pro-Israel lobbying figure rises to $63 million, less than the $68 billion spent lobbying for Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. $68 billion. In 2018, domestic American pro-Israel lobbying, including but not limited to the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, or APAC, totaled $5.1 million. No comparable figures are available for domestic pro-Islamic lobbying efforts. <clears throat> but as journalist Amin Rosen observes, APAC's 2018 total at 3.5 million was less than either the American Association of Airport Executives or the Association of American Railroads spent on lobbying. APAC's influence has more to do with the power of its argument than the size of its wallet. And now consider demographics. Jews were a minority in Europe in the 1930s, but a substantial one, especially in Central and Eastern Europe. Today, Jews are at a much greater disadvantage. For each Jew worldwide, there are 100 Muslims. In many European countries, including France, Germany, the Netherlands, and the UK, the Muslim population far exceeds the Jewish population, and the gap is widening. American Jews still outnumber Muslims, but won't by 2050. There'll be more Muslims than Jews in America. The problem of Muslim anti-Semitism is much bigger than Ilhan Omar. Condemning her, compelling her, uh, expelling her from the House Foreign Affairs Committee, or defeating her in 2020 won't make the problem go away. 
Islamists have understood well how to couple Muslim anti-Semitism with the American left's vogue nation, or vague, excuse me, vague, I'm reading this off my iPhone, vague notion of social justice. Now listen to this. Coupling Muslim anti-Semitism with America's left vague notion of social justice. This is what you're seeing on TV tonight. This is what you're watching. They have succeeded in couching their agenda in the progressive framework of the oppressed versus the oppressor. This is what you saw from the four individuals at their press conference an hour and a half ago. Identity politics and victimhood culture also provide Islamists with the vocabulary to deflect their critics with accusations of Islamophobia, white privilege, and insensitivity. A perfect illustration was the way Omar and her allies were able to turn a House resolution condemning her anti-Semitism into a garbled intersectional rant in which Muslims emerged as the most vulnerable minority in the league table of victimhood. As for me, she writes, I eventually unlearned my hatred of Jews, Zionists, and Israel. As an asylum seeker turned student turned politician in Holland, I was exposed to a complex set of circumstances that led me to question my own prejudices. Perhaps I didn't stay in the Islamic fold long enough for the indoctrination to stick. Perhaps my failing, uh, my falling out with my parents and extended family after I left home led me to a wider reappraisal of my youthful beliefs. Perhaps it was my loss of religious faith. In any event, I am living proof that one can be born a Somali, raised an anti-Semite, indoctrinated as an anti-Zionist, and still overcome all this to appreciate the unique culture of Judaism and the extraordinary achievement of the state of Israel. If I can make that leap, so perhaps can Omar. I doubt it. That's my comment. Yet that is not really the issue at stake, for she and I are only two individuals. The real question is, what, if anything, could be done to check the advance of the mass movement that is Muslim anti-Semitism? Absent a worldwide Muslim reformation, five by an Islamic enlightenment, I am not sure I know. She's also a research fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institute. This should give you a much better perspective of the left, the social activist left, tied in with the anti-Semitic attitudes of uh, these particular Muslims as well as others. And that's the kind of reporting you get today. They can be critical of the president, but this over-the-top attack on the president and people joining in, I just wish he wouldn't this and wouldn't this. The president is furious. He's the head of this country, of the way this nation's being attacked. And for all the lies about him being an anti-Semite, He's actually stepped up more than any Jewish Democrat in Congress that I'm aware of to defend Israel and the Jewish faith. And for this, he's being attacked by the Jewish left, by the way, by left-wing Democrats who are part of the social justice movement and have to tolerate, if not openly, in fact, Omar, Talib, AOC, and others. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus. 
the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. President Trump outside the White House today. Let's go to cut two, Mr. Producer. Go. When I hear people speaking about how wonderful Al-Qaeda is, when I hear people talking about some people, some people with the World Trade Center, some people, no, not some people, much more than some people. When I hear the statements that they've made, and in one case you have somebody that comes from Somalia, which is a failed government, a failed state, who left Somalia, who ultimately came here, and now is a congresswoman who's never happy, says horrible things about Israel, hates Israel, hates Jews, hates Jews. It's very simple. And if the Democrats want to wrap their bows around this group of four people, one of them kept Amazon out of New York, tens of thousands of jobs would have been a great thing. And she kept Amazon from going would have been a good deal. I mean, could he have made better? Maybe. But tens of thousands of jobs and New York has not been the same since that happened. It's really hurt New York and New York City. Amazon was going to go. They were going to relocate a major section of their business in New York. She kept them out. That was a terrible thing she did. I think this is a perfectly legitimate statement. Everything else aside, it's a perfectly legitimate statement. Let's go to cut three, please. Go. No, no, he didn't say about that. He just said, don't go. See, I disagree with Lindsay. These are congressmen. What am I supposed to do? Just wait for senators? No. These are four. So I disagree with Lindsay on that. That was the only thing. He said, aim higher. Shoot higher. What am I going to do? Wait till we get somebody else in a higher position, higher office? These are people that hate our country. Hey, John, they hate our country. They hate it, I think, with a passion. Now, it's possible I'm wrong. The voter will decide. But when I hear the way they talk about our country, when I hear the anti-Semitic language they use, when I hear the hatred they have for Israel and the love they have for enemies like Al-Qaeda, then you know what? I will tell you that uh, I do I do not believe this is good for the Democrat Party. Certainly, it's not the party that I've known over the years. Has he said something inaccurate there? No, he hasn't. He didn't say anything that was inaccurate there. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark 
Love them. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I'm looking for something here. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to find it. Do you remember when, uh, when uh, let's see, who was it? Talib. Maybe she had a picture with a uh, supporter of Hezbollah who was celebrating her and her election. You all remember that? Well, she didn't come under much criticism from the broader media. The president didn't react in a vacuum. The president's furious with these people. Not because of their race or their gender, but because of what comes out of their mouth. Here's an example. Ilhan Omar at Netroots National Conference this Saturday and hat tip to the Washington Free Beacon. Listen to this. Cut, five, go. Something that I, I get criticized for all the time. It's not what you think, so don't, like... <laughs> Don't gasp. Um, it is that like, I, I am anti-American because I, I criticize the, the United States. No, you're States. not anti-American because you criticize the United States. There's a lot of things conservatives criticize, too. It's not a matter of criticism. You hate the country. There's a difference. There's a difference. Go ahead. And... I, I, I believe, as an immigrant, I probably love this country more than anyone that is naturally born. And because I am ashamed of it continuing to live in its, the hypocrisy. You, know, you know what I would say to you? This is why the president's furious with somebody like this. Not because of her race. She's an ingrate. The ingratitude she shows to a country where men and women have fought and died to make the finest place on the face of the earth so immigrants can come here, including refugees. And I know my father would feel exactly the same way. So would my grandfather. Both military men. And I'm sure the men and women in the military today, many of whom are Muslims, would be repulsed by this comment. Somebody comes to this country and they manage to get elected to the House of Representatives, which is a big accomplishment. Naturally born because I'm ashamed of it continue to live in its hypocrisy. Now, I understand why the media have a uh, love affair with her and Talib and AOC because they're of the same mindset. They truly are. But it's repulsive. Go ahead. That I work so hard to make sure that others who've had um, that. Like, right, that's enough. You know, I, I, I don't even want to listen to this. She's an ignoramus, among other things. Truly. She doesn't understand this country and she doesn't appreciate this country for a thousand reasons. Now, I want to go to Chapter 6 of uh, Unfreedom of the Press, because this all relates, ladies and gentlemen, which is exactly why I authored this book and spent almost a year and a half of my life putting it together. 
what you say to see today in the media. There's a reason why Wikipedia will only publish the left-wing critics, of which there are two or three of my book, and none of the supporting reviews. There's a reason why the networks have stayed as far away from this book as possible. There's a reason why the New York Times, I will have been on their list for two months. There's a reason why the New York Times stays as far away from this book as it can, because of Chapter 6. Chapter 6. What Trump said comes nowhere close to the failure of the American media during the Holocaust. So they have a high tolerance for Omar. They have a high tolerance for Talib. They have a high tolerance for AOC. As a matter of fact, they celebrate them. Why do they celebrate them? Because of what I read to you before in that article in the Wall Street Journal. Because the social justice warriors, the social activists, the progressives, have a lot in common. A lot in common with Omar and Talib. A lot. There's an ideological overlap. And at the center of it is a hate for America. Now they'll say, we love America. We're just criticizing. No, they don't. What has I said over and over again? In fact, one host on uh, Fox repeated it today. I got several emails. If you love something, you don't seek to fundamentally transform it. If you love your wife, you don't seek to fundamentally transform her, do you? Or your husband. Chapter 6. Now, I know on freedom of the press is going to drop off eventually the Amazon list and drop off the New York Times list, but it's still crucially important that I tell you what's in it, those of you who haven't acquired a copy. A Holocaust, where among other things, journalistic groupthink and other professional malpractices, suppression and outright self-censorship came together to create a monumental betrayal of millions of European Jews and the American public in what was the greatest example of American media recklessness and deceit ever perpetrated by the press. Now, some of you might be listening and say, all right, all right, look, look, I'm not Jewish, I'm Gentile, I'm this side or the other. Why do you keep harping on this? You know, I had... Uh, the great pastor John Hagee on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. He was absolutely outstanding. And I think what I should do before I continue with the media's betrayal of millions as they betray us today, maybe it's worth listening to a little bit of what he had to say before I go on. And so, Mr. Producer, let us begin with Pastor Hagee from last night. Cut 13, go. You know, we almost never hear about evangelical Christians in the mainstream media. Or if we do, they're treated as peculiar. Or, you know, like you go to the zoo, they're in the reptile house. And everybody else is looking for the panda and so forth and so on. Is that reflective of the culture or progressivism, or what do you think that's all about? It's indicative of the fact that America is slipping from its moral foundations of faith and Bible principles into secularism. The further into secularism you go, the further away from the Word of God you go. 
And when you're away from the Word of God, you are away from God. So they're out there swimming in an ocean of their own ego, their opinions, their secular humanist concepts, and it will produce nothing but heartache and chaos because the real principles of society, the real principles of this nation are still in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Boy, outlandish, huh? Cut 14, go. And in fact, wasn't the American founding based in large measure on Judeo-Christian beliefs and values? And it's rarely taught, I guess, in our government public schools these days. America was founded when our pilgrims landed and they made a covenant with God that this nation would be a nation that served the Lord and our founding fathers when they put the Constitution together, remembered the principles of the Word of God. Our nation today is getting away from anything that looks like righteousness. Righteousness means to be living according to the dictates of God, not according to my opinion or someone else's opinion, but according to what the Word of God says is right. And those principles begin with the Ten Commandments, and those commandments are the foundational stones of morality, and our country is going the other direction full speed, and it is paying an awesome price, and the price has only just begun. Your last point, the price has only just begun. Can a nation survive for long when it rejects its own birth? No. And how do we begin to turn this around? Right now, socialism is having a heyday. We have newly elected people in the U.S. Congress that are using that platform to espouse principles of socialism. Socialism, where everything is free, is very attractive thought, is a very attractive thought to young people. But in history, socialism always produces heartache. Adolf Hitler came as a man of peace and prosperity. He was a socialist. That's what Nazi means, the National Socialist Organization. And he produced a river of blood, a nightmare of heartache where 50 million people were killed. Joseph Stalin was a socialist. He killed 30 million Russians trying to convince them that his brand of socialism would really make Russia the outstanding nation of the world. Nothing has ever come out of socialism that has blessed anyone in the long run. It's a very detrimental, destructive thought, both economically, morally, and spiritually. One more clip, final clip, Pastor Hagee, cut 15, go. What do you make of the growing extremism in the Democrat Party, whether it's cultural, whether it's economic, and a growing wing within the Democrat Party that I would argue is anti-Semitic? This is a major, if not the major, political party in the United States. What do you make of that? I make of it that the Democratic Party has lost its way. There was a time 
25, 30 years ago, when Republicans and Democrats could talk to each other across the aisle. But now hostility so abounds that they are at war and refuse to do anything to be of assistance to President Trump. President Trump has done a marvelous job as president with the bickering Congress that he has to deal with, the fake news, the attacks on him, the members of his family, and steadfastly he keeps pressing for ways to protect and defend the United States of America, both at home and abroad. When we return, I want to continue. I think the president is standing up to the growing anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party, the growing anti-Americanism in the Democrat Party. You may not agree with everything he says or the way he says it, But he's trying to stand up to it, unlike the New York Times in the 1930s. Unlike the New York Times in the 1930s, which refused to make a big issue of the extermination of the European Jews. Unlike the New York Times of our current time, which published anti-Semitic cartoons. Unlike the New York Times, when missiles are flying into Israel from the Gaza Strip by Hamas, which is funded by Iran, among others, they attack Israel. Unlike the modern media in this country that have covered up for Omar, that have covered up for Talib, that have covered up for AOC, and in fact have celebrated. Unlike the modern media in this country, all throughout the Obama administration, and the growing anti-Semitism that that fueled, including his treatment of the Prime Minister of Israel, and the state of Israel and the funding of the Iranian regime. Unlike our colleges and universities subsidized at the federal and state level by you and me, which are breeding grounds for the BDS movement, which try to shut down free speech of any kind and try and intimidate people who have different viewpoints, including Jewish students, including the ROTC, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Chapter 6, the New York Times betrays millions. It's really the media generally betrays millions. 
My question to you is this. This chapter is chapter and verse what the New York Times did and did not do to cover the Holocaust and the Washington Post and the rest of the media in this country. How can you expect the media to honestly report the facts and do so objectively with this kind of record? While you and I are repulsed by Omar, while you and I are repulsed by Talib, while you and I are repulsed by AOC, not because of their skin, but because of what they say and do. Character, not color. If you understand or read chapter 6 of my book, then you'll know why the media have a completely different take. If the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of them weren't moved for humanity's sake to inform the American public about what was taking place in the Third Reich, how can we expect them to tell us the truth about three members of Congress? We wouldn't even know who these three members of Congress were but for the fact that the media promote them and celebrate them. We'd have no idea who AOC is or Omar Talib. But obviously their messages, their statements, are alluring to the modern mass media today. So the question is why? And the answer is because they share the same attitude about fundamentally transforming America. They share the same attitude about Israel. And they say, share the same attitude about Jews. Now you might say, but look at all the Jews in the media. you got Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer and you got this one and that. It's like any other religion, folks. you got different types of Catholics, different types of Protestants, whatever it is. The fact is, if you're basically secularized as Pastor Heggie was explaining. You may wear the flag of a particular religion, or you may have been born into this world by parents of a particular religion, or you may attend church or synagogue. But really, let's be honest. You're not much of a believer. You don't really embrace faith all that much. Which explains the Cuomos and their position for infanticide. And so many others. Which explains Nancy Pelosi. She's not only a radical in her own right, she leads a radical party. Which explains the allure of Megan Rapino. Nobody would care about Megan Rapino, but for the fact that she checks all the boxes on the left and trashes the President of the United States. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens 
has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. So now the press is doing what the press always does. And if you read on freedom of the press, you'll know all about it. It is very, very important to get this message out to more and more people because the press drive what's taking place. I get emails from all of you. You listen to all different kinds of shows on TV and radio. You read all kinds of sites. And I want to thank you because I don't have time. And I got several emails telling me that, that an individual said that now they believe the press is leading the Democrat Party. That's one of the theses. That's one of the core points in the book. <laughs> yep, it's one of the core points in unfreedom of the press. It's the press that's driving America's agenda. Because it shares the agenda with the Democrat Party. It is a progressive movement. The progressives devoured the media as much as they devoured academia. And the government and the economy. And this has been overlooked. And now the progressives are pushing social activism in media. This is why they cling on to Omar and Talib and, and AOC. Because they're the same ilk, mindset. This is why if you dare to speak differently, their hit squads at Media Matters and Mediaite and others will attack you. This is why the primetime lineup at Fox is under attack constantly. Not so much the news operation, but the primetime lineup. You cannot have differences of opinion, different voices out there. And in many ways, this is why the President of the United States is attacked. They knew what the President meant. They knew what he meant. They also know he's not a racist. There's nothing in his life that he's done that demonstrates that. It's the Democrat Party that's been the party of racism for so many years and under which, the banner under which, so many people run for office accusing others of racism. CNN has been dealing with a lawsuit that charges it with racism and the treatment of its uh, black Employees, Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Oh, it's true. Anybody can Google it. It's out there. Nancy Pelosi last week is accused of racism, even though Omar tried to walk it back, but that's what she did. Nancy Pelosi, who watered down the resolution against Omar, now she wants a resolution condemning the president, you see, because it's all about politics. It's all about the hardcore radical left-wing anti-American agenda. You want to destroy our health care system. You don't want to secure the border. You attack the cops and the military. You destroy the Constitution while you pretend to support it. 
socialism in lieu of capitalism. And yet they tell us, we're just criticizing. No, you're destroying. You're destroying. And it's a problem. And we see it. It's right before our eyes. Nobody would know who Talib is. Nobody would know who Omar is. Nobody would know who any of these people are because they're insignificant. They haven't done anything. But now they have microphones and they have cameras in their faces. They're on the Sunday shows. And they make comments and people want to respond to it. People who love this country. People who love this country. And the media paint this as racist. And these four women painted as racist. And the Democrat Party painted as racist. Even though what the president said nothing to do with race. Had to do with ideology. Since when do race and ideology mean the same thing? Let's take a couple calls. Let us go to Jorge. Santa Fe, New Mexico, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? How you doing, Mr. Levin? Thanks for taking my call. I just want to thank you, first and foremost, for being such a great patriot to thank our you. nation and for helping partake in my great awakening. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about uh, Congresswoman Omar's ridiculous uh, comments she made today in her response to uh, President Trump's um, tweets, you know, uh, she tried to pull the race card, you know, of course, you know, using the brown and black. Race Bye-bye, let me slow you down. Front page of the New York Times headline. Did it right in the sentence, right in the title, even though Trump never mentioned race, not once. Go ahead. Exactly. You know, and, and she she mentioned that uh, it was a cause an uproar and every black and brown person in the country. Well, I just want to say something, you know, I'm brown, I'm Hispanic, but most importantly, Mr. Levin, I'm a proud American, and I'm getting sick and tired of these far-left, progressive, radical Democrats using the race card uh, and, and trying to twist the narrative, when in all reality, there's a lot of great young Hispanic patriots like myself who love our president, and I agree with his comments. If you don't like our country and you're not happy here, Get out. How is that racist? I don't know. You know. And and I live here in the deep, dark blue city. And, you know, it, I have to deal with it all the time. But you know what? I'm grateful, again, for, for people like yourself, Mr. Levine, who help uh, partake in my awakening. Because for a long time, I was fed that lie. And I believed that race card lie about the brown and the black being oppressed and just all this nonsense. And I'm grateful today that... I can see that that's not true, you know, mm-hmm. that we have a great president who's doing so great for our country, and we have great people like you who are informing us, and we're fighting. Let me, let me, let me try a line, Jorge. Tell me what you think. I think Bernie Sanders should go back to, I think, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I believe his ancestry is Russian, but I, I may not be Russian. Why doesn't he go back? He, and by, by the way, he does, doesn't he, as, as a matter of fact? Uh, I think he had his, I know he had his, uh, his honeymoon in, uh, in Moscow. Would somebody all of a sudden say, you know what, you're anti-white or something? No. It's nothing to do with it. It's nothing to do with it. It's just that if you have such an affection 
um, for that kind of uh, culture, that kind of ideology, that kind of a country, and these countries are disasters, then why do you keep trashing our country? That's the point. Exactly. And for her to to not even want to publicly denounce uh, Al-Qaeda, you know, I mean, that's a disgrace. She snickered. She left. I remember that. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she was damned by uh, CNN and MSNBC, wasn't she? Oh, just imagine if it would have been uh, on the other side, you know, Republican congresswoman snickering, you know, the media outrage from from the fake news. You know, it's 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 just so sad. I'll tell you what, Jorge, don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. I am running out of them. Uh, I know they're available, I hope, still in bookstores, although I suspect they're running out of them now, too. You can get it on Amazon.com. Makes for wonderful uh, summer reading. I want to thank you. By the way, an update. Didn't the owner of Hudson Bookstores contact you, Mr. Producer? Didn't he say he was surprised to learn that my books, my, my book wasn't in his stores? And didn't he say, as a matter of fact, he's going to fix that? It's fixed. They're in the process of fixing that, ladies and gentlemen. Not because he necessarily agrees with me, but he believes you have a bookstore that, you know, a book that's been as popular as Unfreedom of the Press ought to be in there. So it's my understanding that it will be soon if it isn't already. But, of course, you can get your copy today, Amazon.com. Aren't they having some kind of sale on Amazon right now? What does that mean, Amazon Prime Day? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really hip. It's like a Black Friday for Amazon purchasing. All right. So it's a perfect time to get on Freedom of the Press then? It is? Why? Because you get free shipping or something? Let, well, I know the book's discount. It's 40% off there. Let's take another call. Patrice, Fanwood, New Jersey, the great WABC. Yes, Patrice. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, finally. You bet. You, well, you're welcome, finally. Oh. Um, I used to call a lot in the past, but I just noticed that um, call who? you're not a constitutional conservative anymore. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Call who? I don't get you. I never heard of you before. Maybe you called once before. I don't remember. You get on and you're rude. Thank you for finally taking my call. You're the second or third call I've taken tonight. And uh, I'm not a constitutional conservative. Why don't you just say what you believe and what you're thinking rather than attacking? Why are you being so hostile towards me? Because you're, you're, you're ignorant. I simply no, said, why don't you call? Why don't you call and tell me what you think? Rather than being on the attack, I hadn't even talked to you yet. Well, you call them ignorant. I get off the phone, idiot. I don't have time for you. See that? Mr. Colson, what did she want to discuss? Trump's foul mouth. So why is she attacking me? Well, what can I say, ladies and gentlemen? We do our best. She wanted to, I'm told, she wanted to, dis- okay, attack Trump's foul mouth, that he said these things. But he didn't say these things at 5 p.m. on national TV, did he? Where's this Omar? Where, where's that cut? Cut 17, go. 
This is a president who has said, grab women by the p This is a president who's called black athletes sons of b****s. This is a president who has called black people who come from black and brown countries holes. This I, is, excuse me. This is a president who's called white people all kinds of names, white politicians all kinds of names, white journalists like Acosta. He's treated them different way. You see what I mean, folks? You see what I mean? It's really quite remarkable. Meanwhile, will she denounce out of the closet racists? They all run up to Sharpton. Right? They all embrace Farrakhan. Right? I'm just being honest. They all denounce Netanyahu. On the left, I mean. Right? It's already obvious that the left-wing media are on the Democrat side for 2020. Just look at the questions they ask at these so-called debates. Well, Brent Bozell and the folks over at the Media Research Center, they're fighting back. As part of the MRC's Tell the Truth 2020 campaign, they launched a war room to monitor and expose the daily lies and propaganda coming out of the media. If you go to mrcwarroom.com, mrcwarroom.com, you can see some of the coverage from their various websites. And if you sign their petition, they'll send you a free Don't Believe the Fake Media bumper sticker. Don't Believe the Fake News Media bumper sticker. It's all at mrcwarroom.com, mrcwarroom.com. The leftists have their own war room. In fact, they have a lot of them. CNN, MSLSD, ABC, CBS, NBC, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost are all peddling propaganda 24-7. They're all 100% focused on replacing Trump with one of these socialist Democrats. You know, they call themselves Democratic Socialists. No, they're actually Socialist Democrats. So now our side has its own war room. Check it out at mrcwarroom.com. Sign a petition and they'll send you a free Don't Believe the Fake News Media bumper sticker. That's mrcwarroom.com. By the way, this guy Robert Mueller, they've dragged hundreds of people in front of the federal grand jury when they were operating. They sent SWAT teams to Manafort's house, to Stone's house. Forcing people to testify, very aggressive. What do you have to hide, right? And you look at Mueller, the coward. Well, I don't know if I should testify. I can't testify on Wednesdays, maybe Thursday. How about Tuesday? Closed session, okay, open session. Uh, uh, I I don't want the lights too bright. Uh, Make sure the microphone is turned the proper way. Uh, Five minutes per question. I don't know about the questions. I'm only going within the... You ever seen anything like this? This guy was Sherman through Atlanta when it came to his phony investigation. Now, I don't want to ask ask him questions. No, no, no. He's a doddering fool. May I say, he's a doddering fool. I know he's a white guy. I still call him a doddering fool, Mr. Producer. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. You know, I sit here during the breaks, as you know, and I think through these things over and over. And I'm thinking about this press conference. We played a little bit of it for you. Do you remember the media coming to the defense of Clarence Thomas? Oh, they didn't? What did they do? They tried to destroy him. They tried to destroy him. Do you remember the Democrats and their conduct? Oh, they tried to destroy him too. What's his race? He's a black man. He's an African-American. Did that matter to them? No. In fact, is there a black man or a black woman who's a conservative, who gets the kind of respect that Talib and Omar get, but no, there, there actually aren't any. None. None. This helps put things in perspective, doesn't it? The left, the media, the Democrats, all one and the same, really. For them, the ends justify the means. What was done to Clarence Thomas was disgusting from beginning to end. And the media did it, and the Democrats did it. The media did it, and the Democrats. Herman Cain as they knocked him out of the Republican primary. You won't ever see them do that to a left-wing Democrat who's black or brown or what have you. Ever. So as the media go on and on and on, just remember it was Joe Biden who led that committee or was the number two on that committee. And Clarence Thomas, I believe he was the chairman, was the nominee. So remember these things. Because then you realize what frauds they really are. And they are. Media Matters, fraud operation. Mediaite, a front group for Dan Abrams, who's an ABC's legal analyst. But he really, really exposes himself through that website. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, 
to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Now, these include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College, and this is Mark Levin. Take advantage of the Amazon Prime event taking place right now as I speak. Jump on to Amazon.com. Get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. By the way, now we finally have the uh, scoop here. Everybody listening? Those who have Amazon Prime, which is probably most of you, this is a big deal. You can get another $5 off on Freedom of the Press on top of 40% off if you order right now. So it's $12.67. You're not going to get a better price than that. Trust me on this. Anywhere. You got to enter the promo code. And what is the promo code? Prime Book 19. Prime Book. I'm writing it down. 19. So if you want to get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, or you have a copy and you want to get some for family members, or you want to get some for a birthday, or even for Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever coming up, $12.67. I'm telling you, you're not going to get that anywhere else. Those of you of Amazon Prime, which is probably most of you, I do, just based on the amount that I order. So you'll get the 40% off plus another $5 off, down to $12.67. The retail price on the book, I think, is $28. So you're getting it for far less than half. I'm just I'm strongly trying to encourage you to do this. So you enter the code American, excuse me, Prime Book 19 at checkout. You enter Prime Book 19 at checkout. Because it's Amazon Prime Day. All kinds of protests going on. Ignore them. Who cares? One more time. Those of you who want to get a copy of this book or several copies to give them out to family, friends, young people, you know, who need to be... uh, exposed to these other arguments. You go to Amazon.com. You look up Unfreedom of the Press. You go ahead and order your copy at 40% off at checkout. 
You write in Prime Book 19, Prime Book 19, so you can take advantage of Amazon Prime Day. You get another five bucks off. The total cost of the book is $12.67. I'm flabbergasted. That's a big deal. Well, I was waiting and went, don't wait. You're not going to find that price anywhere else. And I, how long is this Amazon Prime Day? Do they tell you, Mr. Producer? So it could be gone tonight. Could be gone tomorrow. They come and go and they come and go, but they, they're, not, they're not that frequent. So unfreedom of the press on Amazon.com tonight. You go to it, order it, and then at checkout you write in Prime Book 19, Prime Book 19. All right. Deportations. One of the things that uh, the squad, I guess they think they're the mod squad, right, Mr. Producer? Is that why they call themselves the squad now? The four? The squad? I don't know. The squad. Oh, so cool. They give themselves such cool names. So millennials will be attracted. Oh, the squad? Wow. An AOC? Wow. An RBG? Here I am, chairman of FU. Does anyone ever talk about that? Fatties United. I'm the chairman of a group I started many years ago called Fatties United or FU. Actually, I'm the chairman, president, and everything else. I'm the only member. Uh, but in any event, deportations. The president's inhumane deportations, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's take a look at how sick this is. About 10 years ago, the Democrats voted to secure the border. Then the Democrats figured out, wait a minute, that's our constituency south of the border. The more people who can come into this country, eventually we'll give them you know, amnesty and immunity and eventually we'll give them citizenship. The likelihood, they believe, is more and more of them will vote for us. Why? Because they're racist, of course. They're stereotyping, right? Using their language and thinking. You could be damn sure if they thought these people were going to be Republicans, they'd have moats, they'd have uh, walls, fences, fences behind fences, barbed wire, sharpshooters, everything else. But no. No. Uh, But in any event, deportations. There are more deportations at this time in the Obama presidency than in the Trump presidency. I know the administration doesn't like to hear that, but it's true. And part of the reason is, you know, the court problems. Ike, Dwight Eisenhower, very few people called him a racist. He rounded up one million illegal aliens early in his presidency and pushed them out of the country called Operation Wetback. Go ahead and Google it. We've talked about it. Clinton was deporting people. Obama was deporting people. The Bushes were deporting people. Reagan was deporting. But now Trump's deporting people. Oh, my God, the inhumanity. Oh, we've never seen anything like this in our lives. And no amount of factual engagement matters. If you're an American citizen and you commit an offense and you go to prison, "Ah, we're not talking about that. Our prisons are filled with people who are separated from their children. I've been making this argument for 10 years. Now, finally, others are picking up on it. But it doesn't matter with the left. Why? They went from securing the border to a manufactured crisis to now blaming the president for the chaos that the Democrats and the media have committed. 
Six months ago, they said it was a manufactured crisis. Six months ago, they voted to cut the number of detention beds. To abolish ICE. If these policies were followed, there'd be no southern border today. And yet this is never rationally or substantively discussed in the media. Not a single question today. To any of these radical kooks who had their press conference. How would you secure the border? How would you make sure the people coming here are who they say they are? I think it was a couple months back that they actually did DNA tests to see if these so-called self-proclaimed parents were in fact the parents of the children they were with. 31% of the time they were not. Well, what do you do with that? Oh, they're separating the children from their parents. Well, in one third of the cases, it's not their parents. And they don't come here if they're not their parents and they lie about being their parents with papers and tell you that, well, okay, here's the truth. I mean, and the numbers are overwhelming, so where do you put the people? These detention facilities are awful. Well, where do you want to put them? The media and the Democrats. Anarchy. I went over this the other day. Coward Piven, Alinsky. That's what you're witnessing here. Cloward Piven, Alinsky. It's a disaster. They create it, and then they blame the president who's been trying to prevent it. You're inhumane. You must be a racist. Impeach him. Why don't you go back where you came from? Oh, my God. We've never heard anything like Oh, wow. Wow. Romney's out there. Susan Collins. Oh, we've never heard anything like it. He's called Hitler. He's called all kinds of stuff. Well, you know. You got a problem with that? Yeah, I do. Trump goes out there and whips people up. This is Scarborough, clown. It's like a Mussolini rally. Donald Trump talks like a racist, thinks like a racist, makes statements like a racist. Michael Eric Dyson. This is a year and a half ago. Our president is a disturbed person. He's behaving in ways that are simply inexplicable. Thomas Friedman, New York Times. The world witnessed a betrayal, the likes of which never seen. Chris Cuomo. The spirit of what Trump did is clearly treasonous. It's a betrayal of the United States. Douglas Brinkley, CNN. Well, if anybody's issuing demented words of violence and death, I would say it's the President of the United States. Max Boots, CNN, all in unfreedom of the press. We got a guy, Trump, who gets up every morning and excretes the feces of the moral depravity into a nation he has turned into a psychic commode. That would be Michael Eric Dyson, MSLSD. I don't think he, Trump's capable of basic empathies that we feel as human beings and that's what a psychopath is. Donnie uh, Douche, MSNBC. Donnie, I think he was friends with uh, Jeff Epstein, wasn't he? And it goes on and on and on. I just wish the president wouldn't tweet with these comments. You know, everything's so civil. There's a good tone. The nation's united. Except because of Trump. When he tweets and when he speaks, I mean, it's just terrible how he divides us. 
He had the Democrats on the run. Why speak out? Because maybe he's not political. Maybe he says what he believes. Maybe he's more honest than most people who claim to be. Stephen, Columbus, Ohio, the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mr. Levin? Okay, go right, go right ahead, please. I just want to thank you and let you know it's an honor to uh, even be uh, speaking to you. However, I'm very concerned with my generation and the way social media is influencing them. I'm 26 How old are you? Years old. 26. 26, okay. Yep. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, while I'm very grateful for what you're doing and I know our movement is active, the, the libs have the lead on us, sir. I mean, I'm constantly trying to tell my peers. I'm constantly trying to tell my family. Do you think this is any different than the 1960s? When the libs took over college campuses and burned down administration buildings and took over the streets, and we had these uh, terrorist student groups. Um, uh, this isn't the first time this has happened. It's, it doesn't make it any better. But, you know, 20 years later, we had Reagan as president. Right. So we have to fight these things. We have to fight them on radio, on TV, and social media, in the classroom, and so forth. Uh, so uh, I certainly understand your point, and I believe it has gotten worse in many respects because I think the media are now out of the closet. I think the media are now uh, fueling it all, leading the pack, if you will. I, I truly do believe that. But there are also more, uh, more options, more competition than ever before. What's concerning me, while I have you, Stephen, is the fact that it's becoming virtually impossible to reverse course from a governmental perspective, you see what the courts do? You see what the bureaucracy does? They chisel in granite whatever a left-wing radical president like Obama does, and then they make it virtually impossible to reverse it when the American people elect a different president for the purpose of reversing some, if not much, of what the prior president did. And so if it's a left-wing agenda, they chisel it in granite. This is, to me, what's becoming the problem. The problem is we've lost or are losing in a significant way our republic. Right. But uh, I'm sure your classrooms suck. I really am. I mean, I remember when I was going in college, same damn thing. And I would always sit in the back and raise my hand. I guess I was part of the early resistance, if you know what I mean. Take on the professors, typically politely, sometimes not so take on my public school teachers, you know, again, as politely as I could, I would out-research them. I would learn more than they knew. Same with law school. I'd study a case like they thought they knew, like they, they really didn't. Or, or, or an issue. Um, and this is going back to fifth and sixth grade, actually. So there are ways to influence a classroom. There are ways to, to be heard uh, that that I'm hoping more and more conservative students, of which you're in a minority, no question about it, uh, will uh, will embrace. Do we have any plunders and deceits there, Mr. Producer? I'll tell you what, Stephen, don't hang up. I want to send you plunder and deceit. And thank you for your call very much. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. John, 
Ron, Buford, South Carolina, Sirius Satellite, go. Johnny. Yes, hello, Mr. Levin. Yes, sir. Um, Please go right ahead. I'm a big fan of yours and of the president, but I have a question for you. Are you comfortable being such a strong advocate of free speech with the president tweeting things and saying things that seem to imply that if you hold um, a very different opinion, you're not, you should leave the country. All right, two things. This has nothing to do with the Constitution. The government's not involved. That's number one. Number two, he's not saying he's going to have her removed from the country. He's making a rhetorical point. That's all he was doing. If you hate the country so much, then why don't you leave and go back to your original country, in the case of uh, Omar, see if you can fix things up, and then you can come back. I mean, you would have thought he he was uh, driving a car at Chappaquiddick or something. Now, you can disagree with what the president said. That's fine. But the reaction is so over the top, and the R word being thrown around again, when he didn't even mention race. And so I'm addressing it. I'm not, I mean, look, it'd be much easier for me personally if I got on the air and lamented and so forth and so on. But I am repulsed by what's happening to the Democrat Party. I'm repulsed by this anti-Semitic wing that the Democrat Party barely addresses and that the media celebrate. And so if the President of the United States or somebody else lashes out against them and does so perhaps inarticulately or otherwise. To me, the the sentiment is he's tired of his country being trashed, not criticized, but literally trashed by so-called democratic socialists. And if the President of the United States was palling around with a mouthpiece for Hezbollah, I don't think he'd get as much trouble as, uh, as he's getting now, the way Talib did. If the President of the United States, not once, not twice, but dozens of times, made anti-Semitic comments, uh, then I think we could condemn him, or racist comments. But this had nothing to do with race. He didn't even talk about race. So, I mean, when people say to me, don't you think the President should have this or the President? Well, he did what he did, and now we have to deal with what took place, right? And so I'm addressing it. How many of these people on CNN and MSNBC have played the audio or the video or shown the transcripts of exactly what Omar has said? Or AOC with her concentration camp comment. She was being defended. Defended on CNN and MSNBC, splitting hairs between a concentration camp and a death camp. But we don't run concentration camps in America. And so there's a lot of men and women who are fed up with this in this country. And I'll happen to be one of them. So thank you for your call. I hope you'll keep listening, sir. Doesn't mean I support everything the president says or the way he says it. Or anybody else for that matter. But I'm not going to join in on this this massive attack against him every time he opens his mouth. It wouldn't have mattered what he said. The fact is that they have a narrative out there and they're not going to let anything interfere with it. Nothing. I'll be right back.
You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. Just a reminder, but you have to act now. Go to Amazon.com. You can actually get Unfreedom of the Press on Amazon Prime Day for $12.67. It retails for $28. Here's how. You get 40% off, which brings it down to $16.80. Then they take another whatever it is. Anyway, they calculate it to $12.67. That's the cheapest you'll find it anywhere. I mean, it's a New York Times bestseller, so they don't need to discount it one penny. And then you go to checkout and you type in Prime Book 19, Prime Book 19. That's how you get the extra $5. So $28, it's for sale now, $12.67. I mean, what is that, 60 70% off, something like that? I mean, that's pretty amazing. So I don't want you to miss it. I mean, I know it's available elsewhere, but if you go to Amazon.com now, you can get Unfreedom of the Press at $12.67 if you have uh, Amazon Prime, and I guess, I'm guessing most of you do, if you have Amazon Prime, because that Amazon Prime Day. So you go on there, find Unfreedom of the Press, you hit checkout. As you go to checkout, you go to Prime, you type in Prime Book 19, you get another 5 bucks off. It comes to a total of $12.67, even if you have a copy. You can get another copy, a few more copies, and spread the word, which is very, very important from where I sit. No, no, not for the money. I'm spreading the word. Push the word. Push the word. People are always asking me, Mark, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say it is? And my answer is always absolutely yes. In fact, I probably don't do an adequate job describing just how great this chair feels. So take my advice. Get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to x 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction, you have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, try it for yourself. Once you feel the x patented dynamic variable lumbar support, or DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my x so much. Take advantage of x new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, X-Basic or X1 through X4. X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchairlevin.com now and use code XWheels. And you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair. And they are very cool. That's xchairlevin.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Levin is L-E-V-I-N. Let's continue. Deborah, Tucson, Arizona, Sirius Satellite, go. Hello, um, Mark. This is Deborah. Yes. Yes. Um, I I just moved to Tucson recently, but I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about. Um, I tutored in a fine arts college for international students for many years, and um, most recently, mm-hmm. one of my students asked me a question across the cubicle table, which really surprised me, which was, she was saying that it seemed that her instructor was talking about anti-American mm-hmm. subject matter, okay. and that would it be okay 
Or would she get a better grade if she wrote a paper that was anti-American? Would she get a better grade? And? and my point is I, I just think that within the progressive left and within education systems, and even with international students who are coming here to study for whatever amount of time or becoming citizens eventually, my, my job has always been to facilitate a balanced argument. But I would say that the nature of what's going on in education with international peoples is, an, is there... Yeah, no question. They're getting indoctrination, hard left indoctrination. And I appreciate your call. There's no question about it. Yeah. Margaret, Parsippany, New Jersey, the great WABC. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. Thank you. I am I'm just going to make a couple of short statements and maybe mm -hmm. a recommendation. I'm mm -hmm. a registered nurse, and years ago I had to take three days' worth of examinations in order to get my license to prove that I was proficient in the area that I wanted to work in, which was nursing. Um, in order to have my license renewed every two years, there were standards that we had to make, once again, to demonstrate our continued com competency. On the second tier level with, your, say, your pharmacy techs and your nursing assistants, they have to be certified before they can go out there and work. And then they are evaluated where, you know, wherever they're working peri periodically. I think it's long overdue for our politicians to, uh, if they want to run for a position in administration, that they must, they absolutely must take examinations on our well, 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 That's not going to happen because the Constitution sets the requirements for federal politicians. So unless you amend the Constitution, you're not going to be able to force them to take any test. Same. What? That's a shame, you know, because... Well, it is what it is. Oh. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Jerry, Atlanta, Georgia, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark, you're a great American, and I want to thank you for everything you do. And thank you. Real quick comment on Trump. I think he's once again showing the Susan Collinses, uh, Kasich, uh, the Romneys, et cetera, uh, how to utilize and exercise political leadership and courage. And I think what he's done is taken basically – the uh, Homeland Security mantra of see something, say something, and he saw something, and he's saying it. And I think that that last generation of Republicans, they've seen stuff, but they've said nothing. They've been stuff anti-everything. You know, this is, this is a very interesting and I think well-made point by you. Tell me, did Mitt Romney ever come out and personally condemn Omar or Talib or uh, AOC? Not to my knowledge, no. He certainly knows how to get attention when he wants to, doesn't he? Absolutely. He knows how to write op-eds or have somebody write them for him for the Washington Post, doesn't he? He does. Did he? he uh, that's a great question. He did not. He did not. And uh, what about Susan Collins? Did she condemn any of these members of the House? Not that I'm no. aware of. Certainly not in any significant way, right? I agree. No, she has not. And yet they feel free to condemn the president of the United States rather easily. Isn't that interesting? It is. And I think this, it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say a generational thing, because Trump's roughly their age, but it's one of the things where over the last 20 years they've been called every name in the book, every anti-this, anti-that. I'll, I'll tell you why I think. 
because they know if they attack Trump, not only won't they get pushback, they'll be applauded and celebrated as Republicans who are standing up to this racist president. You got this John Meacham, who is a hack, claims to be a historian, I suppose, big Bush guy, and he just said that uh, Trump is the biggest uh, racist president we've had since Andrew Johnson. Excuse me, Andrew Jackson. Pretty damn outrageous. He's supposed to be a historian. But I know, that's why I think that's why people out here love Trump. He, he's a fighter, and the press hasn't seen someone like this before. And once again... But what they're trying to do is drag down his reputation and numbers in areas that are not as solid as, say, your neighborhood. So some of the suburban areas, some of the areas that went Democrat in the midterm election, the media are playing politics. The media uh, are fronting for the Democrat Party. They're leading the charge. Uh, This is their narrative that Trump is a racist. They do not want him to make inroads into the black community, despite his efforts on uh, on the economy and on so-called prison reform, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, So they're trying they're trying to push back. And as I've said many times, when there was a poll, I think it was August of last year, showing Trump making uh, uh, serious gains in the black community. That's when all the he's a racist stuff started. Because the Democrats know and the media know if Trump doubles the, the vote out of the black community from, say, 5, 6, 7 percent to double that, he wins. He wins the presidency. Can I make one other point, Mark, real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I was watching this uh, special on HBO a couple weeks ago, Chernobyl, and it was, this, um, it was a, not a documentary, but uh, a reenactment of the 86 nuclear accident. Yep. And, and something was very eerie when they were showing a lot of the original, like the press and the media and how they were just saying everything's fine. It gave me that eerie feeling that, gosh, today's mainstream media is just like it was back then over in the Soviet Union, where not only they decide what stories they report, the spin and how they report it. It's amazing, it was, isn't it? it, it was, let, me, let, me, let me ask you something. Why would Chuck Tidal meet the press? Have Megan whatever her name is, the, uh, the, the captain of the woman's soccer team, why would he have her on Meet the Press? Uh, Mr. Pino, yeah. Why would he do that? Uh, she's uh, she's uh, trashing the president. Sure. And she's a leftist. If, if the captain of the, of the women's champion soccer team were pro-Trump and conservative, you think that she would wind up on Meet the Press? No, absolutely not. Absolutely or any of these not. other shows? That's why it's a joke. That's why their ratings are tumbling. But there's something different going on here. You know, the the concern used to be with major corporations buying these newsrooms, they would influence, you know, the the reporting going on. That's not what's happened. What's happened is these these, uh, newsrooms feel emboldened to go hard left, social activism left, because they know their ratings don't matter because AT&T subsidizes them or Comcast subsidizes them or some billionaire for the New York Times in Mexico will subsidize them or Jeff Bezos will buy the Washington Post. In other words, the market really doesn't even apply to them. All right. It's an amazing a business where you could care less about your customers. You're, you're on, they're concerned about they hope that so-and-so at the other network is watching so that when they see him at the next cocktail party, they can slap each other on the back and say, hey, great story, great job. It, it's right. Crazy. All right, my friend. Don't ha- I mean, I appreciate you. We'll be right back. Mark in.
Many of you know I was recently at the Reagan Library signing copies of Unfreedom of the Press, one of the greatest places on earth, by the way. And we were there with more than a thousand patriots and Levinites, thousands, in fact. It was an absolute honor, fantastic experience for my family and me. For those of you who couldn't attend, I've got some great news. Levin TV's cameras were there and captured the entire event. If you're a big fan of this show and you haven't yet subscribed to Levin TV, please consider subscribing right now. And you'll see the Reagan Library book signing event, including some behind-the-scenes segments you can't get anywhere else. And they're a lot of fun. Also, if you're enjoying Unfreedom of the Press, you'll want to check out a series of companion episodes we produce for Levin TV, which I go through each chapter of the book and provide additional commentary and insight about the absolute failure of the press in this country. Now, to see these episodes and many more, go to LevinTV.com to sign up today. L-E... You're not a member? Why? We've made it so affordable. It's so engrossing. It's not just my show. There are other great shows. And you watch this rather than the pablum you see on TV. Go to LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com. Sign up today, enter promo code LEVIN, and you'll get 10 bucks off your annual subscription. That's LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com, promo code LEVIN, for 10 bucks off your annual subscription. I want to encourage you to try that out. And don't forget, it's Amazon Prime. And I'm telling you right now, maybe it'll end tonight, but they don't continue it forever. We know that very quick. Over there, if you act now, you can order a copy of my book. It's 40% off, or maybe it's, I don't know what it is, on Freedom of the Press, but you'll get an additional $5 off, so it comes down to $12, and what was it, 67 cents? Something like that, $12.67. If you use Prime Book 19 when you're checking out, Prime Book 19. So I want to strongly encourage you to act now. Even if you have a copy, get a copy for a family member, friend, or coworker. So, have I missed anything else? I don't think so. Exclusive poll. AOC defining Democrats in swing states. This is Axios. Top Democrats are circulating a poll showing that one of the House's most progressive members, Representative Adam has become a definitional face for the party with a crucial group of swing voters. Why it matters. These Democrats are sounding the alarm that swing voters know and dislike socialism, warning it could cost them the House and the presidency. The poll is making the rounds of some of the most influential Democrats in America. If all voters hear about his AOC, it could put the House majority at risk at a top Democrat who's involved in the 2020 congressional races. She's getting all the news and defining everyone else's races. <coughs> Excuse me. The poll taken in May before Speaker Pelosi's latest run-in with AOC and the three other liberal House freshmen known as the Squad Included 1,003 likely voters. So in other words, they have a problem. AOC was recognized by 74% of the voters in the poll. 22% had a favorable view. In other words, she's disliked immensely. Omar, Minnesota, another member of the squad. What is this squad crap? Was recognized by 53% of the voters. 9% had a favorable view. And when you listen to them today at their press conference, now you know why. You want to know why, ladies and gentlemen? Because most Americans love their country. Most Americans don't hate their country. Most Americans don't think America is racist, despite what you see on CNN and MSNBC and read elsewhere. Most people know that socialism sucks. 
Most people reject Omar, Talib, AOC, and the rest when they hear about them and know about them. Now, Pelosi's going to have a resolution, she says, condemning Trump's attacks on progressive congresswomen. A strong recommendation to Republicans in the House. You will fail, but try. Make the argument on the House floor that this resolution needs to include a condemnation of Nancy Pelosi, who just a week ago was accused of racism in so many words by AOC. That if they're going to condemn Trump, they should condemn Pelosi. Just some wise counsel to the Republicans in the House. Paul, Westchester, New York, the great WABC, go. First of all, Mr. Levin, great one. I want to tell you, thank you so much for being an ultimate patriot. Thank you so much for fighting the good fight and continuing to fight the good fight. I used to be a moderate Democrat. I was pretty blinded. I was pretty ignorant. I used to think everything I read in the papers and saw on the news was pretty much accurate until the 16, uh, 2016 election. Uh, it really woke me up. And listening to these congresswomen just obliterate the Constitution and and our president. I love this president, and I switched over. I'm now a conservative uh, Republican, and they, the, what they don't understand, the press and a lot of people, is I'm Hispanic. Many, many Hispanics that I talk to feel the same way. If we had to come in the right way and earn the great privilege, and it is a privilege to be an American citizen, to be in this great country where you can pretty much the sky is the limit, to throw it and these people talk about how bad it is. If they think it's so bad, I agree with the president. Go back to where you think it's better and fix that place and then maybe come back. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And the president says that, and for two days he's being called a racist. Nothing he said was racist. He didn't bring up race whatsoever. His critics do, and they bring up Hitler and Mussolini or neo-Nazism and white nationalism. The American people, I, I, uh, at least half of us, are not this dumb. We can't stand it. Thank you, Paul. God bless you, my friend. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. Folks, strike now. Amazon.com. $12.67 for unfreedom of the press before it's over. See you tomorrow, and God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.